SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Good evening, Khadija. Been a long time. Are you well? I am well. Thank you, Sundeva. Are you well? I couldn't be better. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. A lot Thank changes in a year. Having... A lot changes in a year. Yes, this time I... last year, you were looking forward to really getting things going. You were just in your new position as the MEC for finance, so to speak, in the Free State yes. Department. And now you're dealing with a pandemic. Tell us about your vision for the province this time last year and how much of that has been altered by the conditions that now pertain. Oh, gosh, Sengezo, it has been altered dramatically. But before we start, let me also take this opportunity to join you in wishing our former president, His Excellency Tavon Beki, a very happy birthday. And let me also say thank you once again to you and the SAFM listeners for having me this time um, after a year. Yes. Well, it, it has dramatically changed, you know, uh, as you enter into a new position or a role, you have this idea of bold reserves, um, ensure municipalities are doing well, ensure that you um, ascertain good governance within provincial departments, ensure that your audit outcomes are improving, ensure that the province has a surplus uh, cash on hand at the end of the year, and as you just have sort of gotten to at least 60% of your targets, you have a pandemic come in soon, you present a beautiful budget speech, and all of a sudden all those plans change. Mm. And once you think it's business as usual, it is business unusual. And that is the most dynamic and interesting part of being in a role like this is that you have to think on your feet. You can't be flat-footed. And you have to be ready for anything, anything from any side, everywhere. And um, the team is supporting us in doing that really, really well. Excellent. I'd like to take this opportunity to thank the leadership of the province and the team that works for us. Let's appreciate I'm trying that. To make this work. Yes. Well, consistent with that, I mean, this is what you had in mind. And of course, COVID effectively said, hold my beer. What have you since done then in response to the conditions that now have to obviously be responded to? I'm thinking now, has there been a dramatic policy shift that has since been promulgated? Mm -hmm. I understand the existing legislative framework, and we're going to focus particularly on PFMA and MFMA Mm -hmm. and related legal um, instruments. What outside those that were in in operation have you added to that so that we can be safe in the knowledge that those persons in the free state province their monies are safe in your mm-hmm. custodianship well thank you very much i think let's start by talking about um the leadership of the country our president uh the the minister of health uh, also minister of finance we've been as MECs of finance having weekly meetings with um, the minister just to ascertain what procedures, uh, any changes, because the impact of the pandemic um, not necessarily impacted PSMA uh, dramatically in the sense of, um, you know, undoing processes completely, but it had to allow us to amend processes to adjust with the current times. So what has happened is leadership from the top through the National Command Centre, through cluster meetings and similarly bringing it back into provinces has assisted us um, with the framework and the support that we needed to make decisions as a collective. 
and that we wouldn't make mistakes with different provinces in trying to deal with the pandemic. In terms of the budgets and in terms of how it has impacted our finances uh, through PSMA, I'm sure at some point um, at a national level you would have seen, mostly from a procurement perspective, because we've had to, at an emergency level, procure commodities, millions of rands of value, commodities that we weren't necessarily, um, from a specification perspective, uh, we've had to try and and understand how it works from a price perspective, from an economic perspective, demand and supply to ensure that the prices remain uh, at a certain level, to ensure that national surgery has got a a certain prescript that allows us to buy within a price range. So there have been a lot of technical issues that we get to learn across the way um, through national treasury prescripts as well as supply chain prescripts to assist us with provinces to ensure that we procure um, from a, a perspective where it is fair, equitable, and from a functionality and price, uh, we are able to align that to the normal rules of, of procurement in, in yes, the country. Yes. It, has been, it has been difficult, but what I can say as a province is that uh, what we've done personally in the state, as we said as the executive through the stewardship of the premier, uh, that free state is actually benefit first. And, uh, as of course, you know, that supply chain doesn't last to cater specifically for a group. It has to be open to to all suppliers in the country. And we've been able to put a framework in place that prioritizes free status, but also allows for the, the supply chain rules to take place. So thus far, we've procured 73% of our commodities from free state companies, which I think um, we, we are quite proud of. We could have done a lot better, I think 80%, but 70% in alignment with, with the specifications of what is required. And in that way, we were able to ensure that the money flow within the province remains within the province so that we don't lose so much in terms of um, how this pandemic has affected our GDP, how it affected the provincial economy. We could try and and work a way to assist our province that way. For those of you who are wondering who my guest is, it is MEC, Member of Executive Council, Free State Treasury, Ms. Khadija Abrams-Brown. We are talking about the Free State Province, specifically through her office, the Treasury, that is, and their response to COVID-19. We are taking your calls, questions, and comments, please, on 891 Drop us, please, your WhatsApp voice notes, as usual, on 614 another 25 minutes of this conversation to go, so please get dialing because we might not have time towards the end. In response to what you have said, so the question really was, what has since from a policy directive come through? I didn't get anything coming through. I understand that at National Treasury level, there has been instruction note 5, PFMA institutions to respond to, circular 102 MFMA. I I was interested, but I don't seem to understand that there is something coming from your office in line with such instruction notes at a policy level. Here's why I'm asking this because what we do know is um Kimi told us last year that 70% of your auditees need intervention and the number is more if we add the concerns around your auditees so let's say 8 out of 10 auditees in the free state are in trouble which is more not a single one 
received an unqualified with no finding outcome in the previous financial two years. So what we do know is you inherited a provincial setup of public funds expenditure. If we were to use medical terms, that is in ICU. So I'm asking this question is, we know the legal framework as it pertains. It is that framework that has given us these figures. 80% need intervention or are of concern. Not a single one did a decent job to the point that it comes with an unqualified and no finding for two years running. Nothing from the Treasury so far except for interventions at national level. The question then has to beg, are we to expect different results? Now, you and and it's a tough question to answer, but I think that as provincial treasury, apart from just providing the support to municipalities, of course there are accounting offices in each municipality. Um, each municipality operates with um, a troika or a, or a council. Decisions are made at that level. So our role as provincial treasury and uh, together with the Department of Corporate Governance and Traditional Affairs. We provide support to municipalities, we provide oversight, and we almost play a big brother role to ensure that they comply with various uh, compliance reports like MSCOA and, and the rest. So the challenges that we have at municipalities, outside of just the technical, which could be review of the audit action plans, the monitoring on monthly progress of those plans, the asset management work that we do on fair representation of fixed assets, uh, the audit readiness that has to go prior to submission of the financial statements to AGSA. Um, despite the high-level review of the financial plans that we do ongoing every year, we do ongoing support to internal audits. So, so the province does a lot of that work, but the ultimate result lies in the jockey, those individuals who have to ensure that those financial statements are compliant uh, upon submission, that the supply chain rules are put in place outside of just the control measures for supply chain management, but also the implementation thereof, the capacity of our financial teams in municipalities. Those are challenging for us. And, you know, um, when we when we started in this role as six administration, the first thing that the Premier, as well as the NEC of Cox and I did, was we called a uh, provincial coordination uh, continuing that by the Premier. And we asked every municipality to provide us with organograms, with the technical management in every municipality to be able to deliver infrastructure service-related issues, and then also to ensure that CFOs and supply chain heads are appointed in each municipality, but furthermore to ensure that we have good people placed in those positions. Because if we don't have that, that's where it begins to fail. And we see that holistically across the municipalities in the free state. Um, I personally, my own opinion, I think our capacity can improve. I don't think your capacity should improve. It should improve, and it can improve. I don't think that we we have the right people in those positions. Uh, generally, uh, I won't. I'll talk in, in general terms. There are some municipalities that have 
and that are doing a little bit better and that are, are changing. But we we need to work on that. Um, the the will and the political will should be there in order to make that turn around. So you'll find that Karib uh, District Municipality has improved the, the audit outcomes, uh, despite it not being um, a, a clean uh, audit outcome yet. And then also uh, the District of Governor Futaniana has improved, and, and a couple others. I think there are about four or five improvements. However, I feel that a lot more can be done. Sure. But what we need to do, Sunezo, uh, is that we need to ensure that we've got targets in place. Uh, each each municipality has signed a pledge to say, I hereby pledge to do the following to ensure improvement of audit outcomes. And I can tell you, um, I'm used to being part of a winning team and being part of of some, you know, turnaround strategy. Hold on to positive. that thought. Hold on to that thought mm-hmm. because I have to yeah. take an ad break yeah. and I know what you're going at because you have been in the provincial service before. You were in public works in the previous administration. So, Ms. Khadija Brown, Ms. Khadija Abrams Brown, I beg your pardon, do stay on the line, please. We're taking an ad break. We'll return after it. Nothing conventional on the viewpoint. <laughs> Call Songhezo now. now. 0891-104-207. Call Songhezo and speak to Ms. Khadija Abrams-Brown, MEC Free State Treasury. The Free State Province's response to COVID-19, some structural changes that are taking place and some cosmetic changes that possibly might need to take place. This certainly in the light of the concession that has been made by Ms. Khadija Brown that, yes, she admits, sometimes they do not have the right people in accounting positions within the audit institutions. Well, it probably might be true given the fact that nobody in the last two years in the Free State Department at PFMA level as well as at MFMA level has received an unqualified and no findings Auditor General report. 70% of the audit institutions either need intervention or of concern. It begs the question then, is there political will? Some of the questions that we are posing to Ms. Khadija Abrams-Brown, hopefully she's going to answer some of your thoughts as well in the next 15 minutes. Ma'am, let, let, let's come back to COVID-19. Because of the funds that have had to be diverted to respond specifically to COVID-19, that's obviously monies that had initially been appropriated for programs that had long been in the planning that obviously creates a gap, a lacuna in that now money that was supposed to, say, go build a dam somewhere or provide water to many municipalities in the Free State Province who have been crying for the longest time that they don't have water, despite Minister Sisulu saying there's no water crisis. All of that money now goes to COVID. Have you identified serious gaps then in the Free State Public Administration that is keeping, I would imagine, some of your colleagues awake because the money that was initially there is no longer there? Um, Sangezo, what we've done in the province uh, is we we agreed that we wouldn't look at tapping into any of our infrastructure or service delivery funding. So we took um, funding that were events-based, travel and subsistence-based, um, overtime, um, you know, your normal goods and services that dealt with operations, People didn't have to travel to work. They didn't have to use the telephones in the office. Uh, we were able to uh, consolidate that type of expenditure and um, find funding to the value of 270 million specific for COVID. 
Um, whilst in the interim, uh, we would still work on issues such as water and sanitation. We would also look at infrastructure specifically for healthcare, infrastructure to uh, your education, such as schooling, uh, you know, your various schools that may have required water or Georgia tanks or um, ablution facilities that needed to be maintained. So we, we really looked into... Um, channeling the expenditure towards those line items and moving them away from the big events. So our events budget would reduce. Our um, other budgets for travelling uh, expenditure would reduce and we'd utilise it for service delivery. So right now at this point, uh, no, we have not utilised any infrastructure budgets relating to service delivery. And I hope that over the next three to six months we wouldn't have to do that as well. I think we've been able to ensure that we've got a disaster fund in the province um, to support uh, COVID-19-related expenditure. Am I to understand your answer to mean that, therefore, the CAPEX that has initially been set aside for infrastructure procurement and expenditure is still intact because you, in somewhat your words, have been fortunate you don't have to have now expenditure on entertainment and related office-based administration because of the remote learnings? In other words, if I'm a resident of the Free State, I can then expect all of the budget to go according to plan despite the fact that COVID is a Around? Yes, um, but also to bear in mind that lockdown levels five and four did not allow for construction to happen. So in those two levels, we, you know, our contractors and, and uh, they weren't on site. But as they go into lockdown level three, we started to ensure that our contractors are now on site, specifically in the areas of schools, uh, hospitals and uh, clinics and then of course your generic maintenance and your condition assessments to those facilities for quarantine isolation and um, specific to COVID-19 related requirements. Here's Um, why I'm asking this question because mm -hmm. Maluti Apafong is unfortunately for a resident there is somebody who probably right now doesn't have electricity and water those are basic services that are not COVID specific or otherwise. They should be there irrespective, even in times of war. Mm-hmm. But there are residents so, who before lockdown were complaining about this. They are still yeah. complaining about this. So the question then has to beg, is the Free State province really serious in meeting constitutional obligations at a crisis time as this? Because imagine a situation where both of us didn't have water and electricity in a lockdown, in a family setup, in this cold. Surely one's human dignity is mm-hmm. most grievously injured mm-hmm. in that case. Not so? Yeah, no, Sangeza, I agree with you. Um, we've, we've made some intervention. We spent about $2, two billion on Malutia Pufung over the last three months to ensure that water um, and electricity from transformers to water tankers, to boreholes, um, and to running water in some areas. That that has been amended. Yes, vastly. I believe that um, we we did not look at every single ward or site in, in Maluti Apufum. But since the past three months, I think it's, it's really related to um, 
largely the budget national department of water and sanitation also had a plan so we've had the business plan for Malutia performed uh, signed off and the part well after that has been signed off the rollout has happened and and this is the question that our executives posed to to the administration of both the municipality and government to say that why do we wait for a pandemic to bring water to kwakwa why do we wait for a pandemic to be able to have transformers up and running or water tankers or jojo tanks in every area or boreholes in every area? Why did we have to wait for that? No political will, probably. You said it. Yeah. So, so until we are at a point where the community um, has had enough and that's when we act. And, and it's a challenge that we're asking uh, our team. Uh, and and we want to hold them accountable. And we've, I think our Premier is at a point where she is holding the teams accountable. So after the Section 139 of Malutia performed, uh, after bringing new administration teams from national, from the presidency, we've been able to do that. And we hope and, and, and we believe that as they exit the 139 over the next two to three months, that the structures and the systems that the administrators put in place in that municipality will remain there to ensure that we still can provide those basic services to that area. And there are political district heads through the district management model that has been appointed to ensure that they hold the teams accountable, to ensure that that continues. And we will also ask them to account, not on a quarterly basis, but on a monthly basis, to the executive to ensure that that is sustained. Over this the creates a dual civil service, Khadija. Sorry to interrupt you. This mm-hmm. creates a dual yes. civil service. There are structures there with the designated officials to perform specific tasks so as to ensure not some but all are afforded their rights. This is not a favor the government is doing to them. It's an obligation at law. These are the monies that are appropriated for no other purpose but for that, Mm -hmm. including Mm -hmm. but not limited to socioeconomic rights of Mm -hmm. water and electricity. Now, somebody doesn't do it. You haven't mentioned anything about consequence thereof, Mm -hmm. despite your concession that right people are at times not in the right positions. Mm -hmm. And then somebody else is appointed to go and babysit that person who, by most accounts, shouldn't even be there. That's the first question. The second question is coming from a caller from Bloemfontein. I'd love your responses to that. Please be as candid as you have been so far. Sidiso, good Mm -hmm. evening. Bloemfontein. Sidiso? This is what happens yeah, when your radio is on. Yeah. Please turn your radio off. Hi, Hi, how's it? I'm better now, you sir. Indeed. Thank you so much. Uh, I I just want to 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 comment. Uh, I'm not gonna. Uh, I just want to say that uh, based on the the challenges that are actually facing women, we see the gender-based violence. I think it's inspirational in the free state that we have Ms. Khadija, you know, looking after our pets here. I know she's a very hardworking person. You know, I had an opportunity to work with her for almost four years in the free state. And uh, I really want to, to wish her good luck. You know, the COVID-19 phase is difficult for all of us. You know, businesses do very bad in the free state. Uh, but, you know, having leaders like her, we see inspiration and then we see hope that maybe we might be able to, to, to turn the corner, you know. Excellent. Uh, I just wanted to wish her good luck. And uh, we, we see what she's, she's actually doing, the work that she's doing in the municipalities, uh, also in the in the provincial government. And then we wish her good luck. I don't want to say much for you. <laughs>
Thank you so much, my brother. Thoroughly appreciate it. And that is important. So we do certainly do corroborate those thoughts. If there's somebody in the Free State who's happy about the work of the MEC, surely it receives the light of day that it is worth. Let's go to the three voice notes about service delivery. Good day, Songes. Can you ask the MEC for finance? What is his take? His, what is her take on corruption in the Free State? Because most of the municipality, they age. They are in their financial state is not looking good. Maluta Prophet Mangawong, what is her, her position on corruption and corporate governance? Because I, first state is another province, lot of corruption, kickbacks for tenders. What she is doing to rectify that? Thank you. Uh, afternoon, Songhez. You're speaking to Mr. Zuru from Friday. Songa, so you 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 can try all you want to 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 speak service delivery to an NC MP, to an NC member. That political, they don't care. They don't know what. They don't care about that thing. They only know one thing: corruption. That's the only thing they do. It's corruption. They don't care about us. They don't care about this country. They only care about corruption. Good evening, Songezo. As you are speaking right now, I'm listening to your radio via my cell phone because we don't even have electricity even now. No electricity, no water. I, Maluta Pufong, is a disaster, a serious disaster that needs to be investigated what is happening because all the money, they come via Maluta Pufong, but we're not getting any services. It's terrible for us, really. Mm. Ma'am, that's a problem right there. Well, I mean, we spoke yeah. about it without knowing that this would be mm. a lived experience. Imagine the indignity of having to listen to radio on your cell phone and your radio is mm. there. Two billion, you said, has been spent that went to mm. some of the wards. How, how big is this municipality that there cannot be water and electricity, mm. given the fact that yeah. the infrastructure needed there is not being started anew? There was a time mm. where there was water. There was a time mm-hmm. where there was electricity. So it's not an injection into CAPEX here for the absolute establishment of these institutions or structures mm-hmm. for the performance or delivery of these services. It really does fall on maintenance or redirecting certain sources so that Malutia Pafong people, like me, where I stay, have water and electricity. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely, you're right. And I don't think that uh, anybody can defend that. I mean, um, you know, we have to heed the call from the communities. And uh, I would have loved to have known in which ward and which areas the lady who just uh, um, was was on the line just now, which ward she stays in, because I'd like to go and I'd, I'd personally go there. In fact, I'm in Chakwa tomorrow. If, if I could, I would love to go to that ward tomorrow at 11 o'clock just to understand sure, what the sure. challenges no. are. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, while I'm sitting here, um, for me, the, the, the community radios and radio stations and, and media is, is the extension of government because you hold us accountable through the people of the country and the province to, to account for, for um, the public purse or for service delivery requirements. And we should find another method um, outside of sitting in a position like I am in on radio to listen to communities 
uh, outside of you know ward councillors that should come into municipalities um, talking about the challenges that they have at every ward level, at every community level, and raising it to the highest level of the organisation. It, it is it's not fair that we have to wait for a provincial MEC to go to a certain area in order to 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 intervene. It, it shouldn't be the way. It should happen at a local level, at a ward level, at the municipality level. And when all else fails, that's when a, an MEC of, of the province should go in there and say, okay, let's do one, two, three, four. Do you need funding? Do you need support? This is the network that you deal with. Contact this person. So I think our system has to start to work. And we, we have to find a better way of being able to be more abrupt when it comes to service delivery needs and delivery matters. But I thank you for that, and uh, I, I cannot defend it. Um, and, yeah, I can understand why people say service delivery, uh, people, we don't care. Uh, some of us, uh, yeah, uh, there's a position, what is my position on governance and corruption? I think everybody who knows me and everybody who's listened to what I advocate for is a clean administration, is being able to deliver, and it's the people of the province. Mm. So, um, yeah, often people think she's just another politician. I'm a young politician. I'm a politician for a year, and uh, I have a view that uh, the little difference that I can make on a daily basis, just the little change that I can make to one individual's life, is 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 a lot of value to me Excellent. individually. And during my term, I intend to to uphold that and to ensure that every day, someday, or that specific day, I touch somebody's life and I make that difference. Excellent. So if I can continue with it in that way, I'm certain that you know I could touch many many lives. But um, as a collective, I think we have to develop or we have to amend a system of being able to abruptly deal with service delivery mechanisms. Let me quickly indulge then. Sorry, yes, yes, indeed. Let me quickly indulge literally in the next minute or two the time that remains, which really is woefully out. You've mentioned twice the people. You you, you mentioned the people twice in some of your responses, Mm -hmm. particularly Mm -hmm. around Maluti. Would Mm -hmm. the appropriate action for the people to take, to take to the streets, forget everything about social distancing, do what gets the people who matter and their attention, the looting and all the chaos, if you like, that invariably has to ensue, for people in authority to respond and to respond decisively in service delivery, does it have to come to that for work to be done? Why is a conversation on air like this now not sufficient to get whoever is responsible without having a babysitter there to do Mm -hmm. what he or she is required? Mm -hmm. If that person is overwhelmed, with our unemployment figures, I can guarantee you I could find you somebody within the hour to do what that person cannot, mm. for whatever reason, do. Mm. Why mm. should we rely on protests to get responses from those in authority? Mm. So, the answer is, and what we, what we advocate for, is building a capable state. So having the right people in the right position doing what they're supposed to do. 
And unfortunately, in our government today and the paradigm of public servants, not all, but in general, is this is my job. I come to work, I go. Um, the passion that we have as public servants are not there any longer. Uh-huh. And that is where we've, we, we, we are finding that our administrators, and, and it is something that we could work on and better, as administrators, we should be able to hold our people accountable, meaning our administration teams have performance plans, performance management plans, account for the work that they do, and not just expect a salary at the end of the month without knowing that you've had a certain target or you've had a certain key performance indicator that you needed to meet. And uh, I think that also planning within government is a challenge because, yes, to be able to say that over the next three years we will deliver um, water pipes throughout this entire five or six wards, but in the midst of that you have another crisis, you utilize funding from there to, to deal with the crisis, affects your planning, it affects your budgeting, but that can be handled correctly with proper administrative intervention, but largely our administration through management does not hold the staff accountable to ensure that they do what they should do every day. If that happens, a lot less of the negative queries that we've received this evening would have been here, but more positive to say this administration is working. Fantastic. One final question, very briefly, please. Section 217 of the Constitution. Right now, your figures, 73% of those who are getting COVID work are male in Mm -hmm. the free state, 73%. In other words, 27% female. And we're talking about PPEs and COVID-related procurement here. Companies to the youth, 25%. How difficult is it to procure PPEs that Mm -hmm. three quarters of every rand has to go to people who are old and not youth? When we're talking about youth Mm -hmm. unemployment, these are some of the issues that we have to look at. And I find mm-hmm. it absolutely difficult, if not downright impossible, to believe that there is nobody who is a potential supplier to the free state government who is a person living with a disability or differently abled. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Th- 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 these figures do not speak to, by and large, the equity aspect and transformative aspect mm-hmm. of what procurement mm-hmm. should do in the free state right now. Yeah. No, I agree with you. Um, we, we've, because COVID-19 is a moving target, our numbers have changed a little bit. So out of the 73% of the free staters that we've um, employed, let's first and foremost start by saying that we, co- we cannot compromise on quality because of the pandemic. The Department of Health has certain requirements and specifications. All of these are tested uh, by the Department of Health in the province and is aligned with national specifications. I can state that out of some of the suppliers that we've had, we've tested a certain product, but when it came to time, when it came to delivery, the product changed. The, 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 the constitution of the product wasn't the same as the initial generic one that they brought. So first and foremost, let, let's start there, that we couldn't um, compromise on the products that we received. Secondly, 30% of, of our procurement was by youth. And I, I still agree. I think because we've got a young uh, population in the free state, we could do a lot better. 
And yes, I do agree. People living with disabilities have not benefited out of, of this procurement. And hence the reason why I've requested the teams to provide full uh, analysis of the demographics. Because I can guarantee you over the next four or five months, we know the reporting patterns. We know how the districts are spending. We know how the provincial trade, uh, the provincial departments are are spending and the various designated groups. And we can still try and facilitate how we can change those numbers. It's, it's not easy to do so because there are other prescripts that are required for us to adhere to. But um, uh, out of the, the spend in the free state, 30% on youth, 68% black-owned, 38% women-owned companies. And, uh, yeah, I think from an, a developmental perspective, we can do better. And it's something that we just discussed today in our executive to say that the Department of Economic and Small Business, Tourism and Environmental Affairs in the province. 30 seconds, please. We have to, yeah, this year, we have to find a way to work with them to ensure that uh, the those who are able to supply in the province and also in various districts, because we're not being inclusive when it comes to all districts in the province, those in districts too need to come up, come forth and say, I am able to, to deliver X at this level with this specification and Excellent. it has sure. been accepted with the health standards. But l- lastly, Finally, please. I think Finally, we've got to mm-hmm. go. We've got to go. We've got to go. Yes, yes, yes. Are you done? Okay, no. L- l- let's leave it there, oh. Kadita. Big upon because I am rushed for another interview that should have started oh, some course. two minutes Thank ago. Thank you very much. But um, we are here. You want to come back? You know exactly where to find us. And thank you as well. I think the people at least appreciate the fact that you were candid in your responses with their respective plights. So much thanks for you and your time. And thank you for the robust discussion. It's important and it's necessary. Necessary for change and necessary for for South Africans to see that we are trying to be a transparent government. So thank you very, very much for that. That's the MSC for the Free State Treasury, Ms. Khadija Abrams-Brown.